You're listening to the Discovery COVID-19 podcast. I'm Azania Mosaka, and I'll be speaking to expert guests to help you better understand coronavirus disease 2019, as well as how best to manage your health, well-being, and financial security during this time. Pregnancy is a time in which a woman's health is of utmost importance. What does it mean to be pregnant in the time of a pandemic such as COVID-19? And what does this illness mean for mothers-to-be? With us today to share key insights into this theme is Professor Priya Soma Pillay. She is the newly appointed head of obstetrics and maternal and fetal medicine at Steve Biko Academic Hospital and the University of Pretoria. She's also interim president of the College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of South Africa, as well as the honorary secretary of the South African Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. In other words, she is really the leading obstetrician in South Africa. We're really privileged to have a person of your caliber with us, Professor Soma Pillay, and to be able to pick your brain on the subject. Hello. Good afternoon, Azania. So let's get straight into it. Um, if we look at the experience of a pregnant woman in this time, what should pregnant women do to lower the risk of a COVID-19 infection? Pregnant women should practice the same good personal hygiene principles as non-pregnant individuals. And that is frequent hand washing, use of hand sanitizers, use of masks, and also avoiding touching one's face, particularly with your hands and fingers. Um, One should also avoid close contact with other people and practice social distancing. If a pregnant woman experiences any symptoms, um, she she should be advised to take responsibility to isolate herself and additionally wear a face mask and phone her local health facility or or the National COVID helpline to inquire about whether she should be tested for COVID or not. Right. But are pregnant women among the groups we consider high risk for severe illness for COVID-19? Is it expected, as it is with people in general, that the majority of um, these women will experience mild to moderate illness? So we think about 14% of individuals, and that um, data from America, will actually be asymptomatic and have no symptoms at all, although they are carrying the infection. Um, the majority of women will have mild flu-like symptoms consisting of a cough, fever, and a sore throat. And then a small proportion will have severe symptoms, shortness of breath, and respiratory problems. And these are the uh, women that we are particularly worried about. Mm. Is there a likelihood uh, of a fetus being exposed to COVID-19 during pregnancy if the mom contracts it? So currently, no viral particles or virus has been identified in amniotic fluid or cord blood. So there is no evidence of what we call vertical transmission or evidence that the fetus can be affected while in utero. Mm, Right. So at the moment, as you say, based on evidence, we don't see that likelihood. No, no. Right. Uh, But which pregnant women are at high risk of severe illness as a result of COVID-19 due to, say, other chronic illnesses that they may have? So fortunately, our reproductive age group is Um, particularly women under the age of 40. And this is a low risk 
for women to complicate or any individual to complicate um, as a result of COVID disease. Women who are at high risk are those, and this is data from um, King's uh, College in London, are women above, who are pregnant above the age of 40 and those with um, comorbid conditions like hypertension and diabetes. Um, and this is the data we have from the UK. At the moment, we don't have um, local data that I can quote from. Yes, yes. Uh, so in addition to the usual symptoms, uh, what should a pregnant woman uh, look out for? What symptoms she cho- should she look out for? And uh, could these be impacted perhaps by some of the uh, things or symptoms that uh, come with pregnancy? Yes, so pregnancy can um, mimic uh, mild disease. Um, Because of the physiological changes in pregnancy, women are sometimes short of breath. But if if she feels that this is persisting despite rest, then women should contact their healthcare practitioners. So most women will have the typical cough, fever, sore throat. Um, Some of the rare symptoms are shortness of breath and even diarrhea. And what we've also picked up now is the loss of smell and taste. So these are the sort of um, symptoms that are not commonly present, but women should be aware that that some of them will present atypically. And if they are unsure, it's, it's better to contact your health practitioner for advice. Right, right, right. Uh, But should women be going into hospital for things like their antenatal appointments? Does this increase the exposure risk to to COVID? So the Department of Health has made a list of non-emergency but essential services that need to continue. And Mm -hmm. antenatal care is one of the services that should continue. Um, Other services on the list are contraception services, termination of pregnancy, postnatal care, and gynecological oncology. So although women may feel that they may be putting themselves at risk, all healthcare facilities have been advised um, to adapt their way of functioning, make appointments so that patients are not sitting in a group in the waiting room, that that there's only one or two persons in the waiting room, and there is a distance between the chairs, but it's very important that women do continue um, their antenatal care visits. Mm. Do you think that this moment is also primed for an increase in the use of things like online resources that they become even more important now? For example, say virtual care, online consultations. Uh, what do you think of these as an option or um, do you think that they're relevant to any part of caring for a pregnant woman sort of limit the need to, to come into a healthcare facility um, and do you think that this could also be useful for women to do things like antenatal classes, doing them rather online? I think antenatal classes are acceptable online. And online consultations for certain disciplines are acceptable. At this stage, it's, it has not been tested in pregnancy. And, and certain interventions that take place during the antenatal visit um, cannot be omitted. So blood pressure... Um, needs to be measured at every antenatal visit. Urine needs to be checked um, for protein, glucose, or any infections. And unfortunately, this cannot be done online. Um, There's a concept that has been coined now um, of missing normal conditions. And we mustn't miss underlying hypertension or 
other big conditions that cause maternal morbidity and mortality because our focus is now on COVID. So we should still remember or um, keep in touch with um, other conditions. And I'm worried that if we do lose our contact with our patients, we may miss under certain other underlying diseases. So at this stage, the Department of Health is not promoting or not advocating for any online consultation. The only time where this can take place or a consultation may be delayed is if a woman has been tested or recently tested positive for COVID and she's well um, and she's a low-risk patient and she has been asked to self-isolate, then her, her visit can be postponed to later. But for other patients, antenatal visits need to continue. Right, especially if the hospital has modified how it operates so that COVID-19 patients are are isolated from the the rest of the patient patient group. Yes. Right. Um, Are there differing risks in relation to COVID-19 when it comes to a natural birth versus a cesarean section? So a natural birth or cesarean section will not increase or or the mode of delivery will not increase one's risk for developing COVID disease in pregnancy. COVID will, a cesarean section is not protective to the infant that is going to be born. So like I said earlier, um, the virus has not been isolated in amniotic fluid or cord blood. So at this stage, a cesarean section is not protective. And a cesarean section should only be done for obstetric indications. Um, uh, But what about midwife-led or home births at this time? Um, Do we want to keep women um, who perhaps are high risk going to medical facilities whereas they could decrease their risk by going for a midwife-led or home birth. Uh, What's your view on that? Midwife-led care or home births are generally reserved for women um, who have low-risk pregnancies. Mm -hmm. So provided they test negative for COVID, this can continue. And every health facility should have the ability to screen and test all individuals um, at every antenatal visit. So if a patient um, enters a facility, she screens positive, she needs to be tested. If that test becomes positive, the woman's risk category in pregnancy then changes and she now becomes a high-risk pregnant woman. And women who are now classified as high-risk should then be managed by a specialist or at a facility that is designated for COVID care. Um, So unfortunately, Midwife-led care or home birth care is not acceptable or recommended for women who are positive for COVID disease in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, These women need to be cared for by a specialist. And if they develop severe symptoms or if the pregnancy complicates even further, they may require multidisciplinary care that involves um, an obstetrician, a physician, um, and a critical care specialist. As soon as a woman tests positive for COVID, her risk profile in pregnancy changes and she now becomes high risk. Um, so but what about midwife-led or home births at this time for women who are, are low risk? So as long as they remain in the low risk category, this is still acceptable. Right. Uh, we've spoken a little bit on the precautions that hospitals are taking, but there are also other precautions like limiting visitors and sometimes even a spouse from the birth. 
Can you talk to us a little bit more about the likely scenario um, at delivery and visitation rights thereafter, after, uh, after the birth? We've seen that a few hospitals, particularly um, some in KZN, and there's been uh, one or two hospitals in Johannesburg, that have become hotspots for COVID infection. And just being in a hospital um, puts one at risk um, for both spreading the disease and contracting the infection. So at this stage, the recommendation by the Department of Health is that visitors, all visitors be limited. Um, at the state, at um, our hospital at Steve Biko, women are not allowed any visitors and partners are no longer allowed to be present at the birth. And this is just to try to limit and protect other patients, but also individuals entering the hospital. Mm. But if a mother has COVID-19, what does this mean for bonding with the baby right after the birth? And this is something that's seen as very important. Um, and perhaps speak to us as well about the risk um, are, are newborns at risk of, of severe illness? Okay, so again, the virus has not been isolated in breast milk. So babies are unlikely to contract the infection from breastfeeding. The current recommendation is that if the mother and baby are both well, that breastfeeding continues under certain conditions. Breastfeeding, bonding, skin-to-skin -skin contact has several advantages. So the, provided the mother um, practice hygienic principles, regular hand washing, um, sanitizing, um, cleaning of the breast before and after breastfeeding, we think breastfeeding has more benefits than isolating the mother from the baby. There has been some reports of transmission to the neonate but in general, most of these uh, little babies have actually done very well. So mm. we think that there's more benefit to breastfeeding than separating the mother from the infant. Ah, And then finally, uh, Professor Sumapile, should women plan pregnancies during the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, I know it's easier said than done, but when we are planning pregnancies, do you think this is an appropriate period? So the Department of Health is currently recommending that women consider postponing the pregnancy to after the pandemic. And one of the reasons for this is to try and limit infection, both to the pregnant mother while she's pregnant, but also to limit and reduce the burden on our healthcare facilities. So if possible, we would encourage women um, to consider postponing pregnancies if they can. Right. Oh, uh, Professor Soma Pillay, thank you so much for all these insights today. Pleasure. Nice speaking to you. We've learned so much from Professor Soma Pillay today about how the moms-to-be out there can maintain their well-being in the face of COVID-19. If you want to understand the impact of COVID-19 on pregnancy even further, please look out for my podcast interview with psychiatrist Professor Renata Skuman, who chatted to me about mental health and pregnancy in the time of COVID-19. And on another note, did you know that the Discovery Foundation has for many years supported the University of Pretoria's maternal and child health initiatives through multiple awards and grants? 
One of these was a grant of 1 million rand in 2016-2017 in that year towards the Maternal and Infant Healthcare Strategies Unit within the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the university. The grant funded research into solutions to the problems that women face when dealing with health systems for maternal and infant care. And in addition to this, Professor Priya Soma Pele has also been a supervisor to two subspecialists who were each awarded a grant of 1.3 million rand towards their specialization. It's excellent to know important research into maternal and child health is getting the support it deserves. This podcast was brought to you by Discovery. Stay informed, stay healthy.